All right, so last week we stumbled upon where uh, I was looking into that guy Marty Feldman and we found an old show he was in that then had a bunch of Monty Python people in it and it inadvertently sent us down the road of like how did Monty Python come to be developed. So I thought maybe we'd look into that some, but the little bit I've looked into it, right away it's getting complicated because there's Marty Feldman, there's the two guys from Monty Python, so we got to look into the other two guys from Monty Python. And that show we watched last week, the uh, at last the 1948 show, there was the fourth guy from that, and I was like, who's that guy? I looked into him, he has this other show that was really popular and ran for ages. So uh, I feel like it's going to take a little while to untangle that. But didn't they say that that... that 48 show was tied into a college a, a university cambridge yeah that's where cambridge i guess theater or something that's uh yeah the cambridge footlights comedy society and that's where john cleese and graham chapman met so i don't know about the other two monty python guys they came from somewhere else so it's going to take a while i think to uh get to the center of this Tootsie Pop. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff. And then I guess the big grand finale is we'll finally watch Monty Python once we figure out how all these people came together and what what happened. But before we dive into that, because it's going to take so many weeks of all this weird, random old British TV, assuming it, it exists, I guess we'll see. But I thought uh, maybe just before we get to that, the other thought that I had based on sketch comedy is, is that... Starting with Monty Python, technically it started in 1969, but I think of it as a 70s show because that's when everybody started watching it and it started getting momentum. I feel like there's a pretty clear front runner in each decade for like what was the most famous or most influential sketch comedy show. So I thought this week, before we dive into this big odyssey <laughs> of Monty Python history, uh, why don't we just go through a little history of sketch comedy, where I figured out that uh, for the 80s, Kids in the Hall, I feel like is pretty clearly the front runner. The 90s, I mentioned it last week, but there's that show, Mr. Show, wasn't super famous at the time, but since has gone on to be super, super, uh, you know, relevant and everybody in it's all well known now. In the 2000s, it was The Chappelle Show, unquestionably, and I'll get into some history of that when we get to that. Then the 2010s is a little less clear but i was thinking like maybe there's a show key and peel and i was like maybe key and peel so i went and researched like a, what are the top sketch shows of the 2010s and the first list i looked up number one was key and peel so i'm like all right fine it's not as famous as the other ones but it's clearly of that decade it's the one so i just grabbed an episode of all of those and i just thought we could watch them <laughs> just do a quick little quick little 40-year jaunt through... Okay, so you're starting in the 70s. Uh, well, no, because uh, the 70s is Monty Python. So right. I thought, we'll get to Monty Python. We're going to do a so deep dive into in Monty Python. Yeah. Okay. So it's still four shows. It's going to, you know, it's more than we usually watch in a week. But I feel like we won't necessarily have a ton to say about all of these. We'll just, we'll just comment on them as we go. But I just think it's kind of neat to uh, just to watch. Monty Python feels like the start of when sketch comedy really became relevant. There was stuff before then, but it was different. You know, all those old variety shows and things we were watching, they definitely don't feel like sketch comedy like we think of it now. So, uh, and we, we know Monty Python, you know, I mean, we'll get uh, back around to it, but, uh, but yeah, I just thought it might be kind of neat to see sort of how it flows. And it's just kind of neat too that it's, uh, you know, started with a British show and then a Canadian show and then a... Uh, American show, 
And then Chappelle and Key and Peele, there's also this this distinct shift away from white people. <laughs> it's like white people aren't funny anymore because they're both very black-centered shows. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we do this week. So. Okay. so since we got so many, let's dive right in. So first off, oh, wait, though, just a sec. I got to get, I've got little notes for these. All right, so first up, Kids in the Hall debuted in 1988, ran for five seasons, 102 episodes, and we're going to watch season three, episode one, for anyone who wants to watch along. Yeah, so I didn't get deep into any of the details of any of these, but I just feel like Kids in the Hall was pretty famous, even in America. All my American friends know Kids in the Hall, but really famous in Canada because, you know. Canadian content. Yeah, and like, <laughs> what do we have like that you can really really be proud of kids in the hall trailer park boys the end <laughs> yeah. except if you go back even earlier than that though you've got oh sctv obviously yeah. is very canadian no but even before that you've got like red skelton and way back canadian uh frank schuster uh, wayne and schuster but those are early early those would be 50s right sketch type shows yeah because that's one thing we were saying last week about sketch comedy that's interesting about it is you remember all of the really good parts and you tend to gloss over <laughs> the because sketch comedy is so hit and miss it's so weird so yeah let's see how kids in the hall Holds stands up. up yeah although one thing i've noticed just when i was checking all of these really quickly with all these shows it's interesting to see how young everybody was because like the kids in the hall for example they they pop up all the time they're always doing stuff me and brad saw them do a uh, a live performance of their movie brain candy like on stage or they just like reenacted it and it's like ah, that's cool but they're all old now <laughs> you know, so it's neat to see them young again and the other thing we'll see if it comes up in this but now that i've been to toronto and i know all the landmarks that's one thing i love about old kids in the hall is i recognize a lot of places now except from 40 years ago and it's like oh that's cool or 30 years ago, however long ago this was. So yeah, season three, episode one of Kids in the Hall. I'd say that held up a lot better Does than I expected. Up? Yes, it, they hold up, but I, that doesn't surprise me because I saw those a few years ago again, and they were they were excellent. Yeah, like uh, I mean, honestly, instead of just picking totally at random, I did just kind of think like just the first thing that came to mind. I was like, what episode had my pen? Because <laughs> you know, I just always remembered that one, so that's why I picked that episode. But I think all those sketches were good. There wasn't any bad ones. Like, yeah, no, man. they 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 were they were very well done. It's neat, too, that you see, like, the direct Monty Python connections of, like, uh, I mean, first off, that theme song is insane. It's so good. It's, like, the best theme song ever in the history of TV. Though That band was called uh, Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet, and they even had, like, they were on Much Music a little with other instrumental songs. That's how famous they got, <laughs> you know, yeah. from this. And you, and you need a, a key thing, like Monty Python. See, it's a real catchy one, too. So something yeah. that grabs you right off. This one does. This No, this has held up over the years and will hold up. Yeah, and it's neat, too, where I was saying, like, uh, you know, them dressing as women. That's a pretty clear Monty Python connection. Like, if it wasn't for Monty Python, I don't know if they would do that. 
But the other thing I, I think is kind of noticeable is uh, how Monty Python had Graham Chapman as the gay guy in the group, and this has Scott Thompson. And I think you can feel it, like stuff like that, you know, at the, this, what is that called? Chippendales, male strip club, you know, whatever stuff. And just the sort of getting into weird sexuality stuff in general. I feel like in both shows, I don't know for sure, but I feel like it's probably having a gay guy in the group kind of open them up to this kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, like Monty Python, when they play those women, they aren't necessarily like beautiful, gorgeous women that <laughs> right. they're that they're mimicking. They they mimic just like your average type woman. And when you first look at them, you say, "Oh my God, they got a woman in there." And then you realize, "Oh no, they don't. They're just dressed up." But they they play it very straight and very solemnly as women. Um, they're not like demeaning women or or uh, or anything like that. They're just. Uh, they're just playing a woman, and they do an excellent, excellent job. Probably more so than Monty Python, because the Monty Python women tended to always be like those hanging out in your backyard, talking over the Kinda fence to your dowdy, neighbor. Kind of dowdy, real dowdy, and, and really uh, spoken high falsetto voices. <laughs> yeah. These guys don't necessarily use that falsetto voice. Right. They, but they, they, dress, they dress perfectly for women of the of the 80s, you know, big shoulders, uh, right. power women. <laughs> so much so that oftentimes when you first look at them, you you forget that they are a male dressed up as a woman. It's weird to say too, but like, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's just natural to uh, grade things or whatever, but I always thought Dave Foley, I'm like, wow, he really looks like a woman. <laughs> He's the one who looks the most like a woman. He, he makes a great woman. Not that that's relevant to anything. But they all do, <laughs> right. every one of them. Um, um, and um, their makeup is fabulous. I mean, when you look at that chicken lady, yeah. you know, she's she's got the beak, she's got the feathers. Um, and when they did Dave Foley with those boobs, God, what a good <laughs> job they did on those boobs. That's one thing, too. Yeah, it's a lot more elaborate than I remembered. Like, they, they set up, like, the strip club scene or the, uh, the sauna or just all the different sets. And then the My Pen sketch... I don't even know exactly how, because it's, you know, 1991 this one came out. They, they didn't have computer graphics at the time. So how did they strap Bruce McCullough to the side <laughs> of a taxi? That's like a legitimate stunt. <laughs> and they did, you know, like they didn't half-ass this show. It's funny, too, with having a gay guy in the cast. It makes it kind of more funny with stuff like the scene where Dave Foley had breasts for no reason. But to have him play the sort of chauvinist obsessed with breasts guy <laughs> it's just like extra good but yeah that's and then when he goes home and he mounds his potatoes up and puts two little grapes on the top <laughs> yeah. but but that episode in particular really good like that was season three episode one <laughs> thumbs up really really good episode of kids in the hall all right so next up in our odyssey through the decades is mr show from the 90s debuted 1995 ran for four seasons 30 episodes uh, we're going to watch season one, episode two, What to Think, it's called. And this show, it uh, is not as famous as the other shows we're going to watch. It was never especially popular, but it's definitely the most influential sketch show of the 90s because it's just its weird kind of humor or whatever has definitely caught on. But also, everybody in it is famous as hell now. So Bob and David, David Cross became a really famous stand-up. Bob became a really famous actor. He was in... Uh, 
Breaking Bad, and then that spin-off show, Better Call Saul. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. So he's pretty famous. There's also uh, a lot of the bit players in this. Not uh, not as famous, but they've all gone on to do stuff. Uh, Jack Black is in this episode, and he became a huge movie star. He's probably the most famous of all of them. And another weird thing, there's this guy, Tom Kenny. He became the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> so, so, yeah, this thing, it's one of these like shows that... Um, we just happened to catch it randomly on the Canadian Comedy Network. It was just on one night, and me and Matt Jenkins and the Hardings were just watching TV. And it's like a weird enough show that we didn't, we weren't sure if we liked it at first. But then with the next week, we watched it again, and we're like, oh, this is this is amazing. And again, just snowballed, became more and more famous as the years went by. And the theme song might not be as good as Kids in the Hall and Monty Python, but it's really good. <laughs> a really right. good theme song. Let's check her out. Oh yeah, and this one was on uh, HBO, which is also one reason why it wasn't as well known. It wasn't on normal TV, but that means they can swear, so that's a plus. <laughs> Although Kids in the Hall, I mean, granted they were obviously fake boobs, but they did just have <laughs> boobs on Dave Foley, so you never know what people can get away with in different eras. It's weird. And uh, that's the Shinola on that one. All right, now I would like to address this what's funny issue. Now this all reminds me. <laughs> so yeah that was uh significantly different i can not feel it uh, even close to yeah, it, to uh, half. it was definitely yeah, not not going over with you but i do feel like it's one of those shows like you, it takes like i said when i first saw it i didn't like it that first week or like me and the hardings and and matt watching it were like well i don't what the heck was that and then it grows on you and i feel like that's a good example because okay. like if that's the first well, one you saw, well, it might grow on you maybe, but it doesn't even have the tightness that Kids in the Hall does. Right. Kids in the Hall just flows. Yeah, that actually the structure of Mr. Show reminds me a lot more of Monty Python, the way things flow into one sketch to the other. But I do think yeah, it's way less, way less funny. I mean, it just is. It's like well, and I think they could have tightened it up and shortened those skits down a whole lot. Like right. they they kind of dragged, and then they kept coming back to the same theme. As opposed to having, uh, you know, a number of different things going on. Everything kind of tied into the same theme, which basically was the ending where the salesman puts his dick in the holes. <laughs> which is, like <laughs> such which is a how weird, it started. But such a, a weird line to walk with comedy because what makes the dick in the hole the musical funny is that it's way too elaborate for this stupid piece of shit joke that maybe like your weird uncle would have told you and well, when you like... compare like we laughed out loud with kids in the hall right i didn't laugh out loud for anything i saw you with a smile on your face yeah but you but, I, but you didn't laugh out loud no it, it is definitely yeah, it's it's a, a definitely a different style of comedy and you can really tell like like the agendas are different where kids in the hall's agenda is to make jokes <laughs> where it's weird with Mr. Show. It's like, I can see how people would not like it because it's, it really wears its, uh, its agenda on its sleeve. Like right away, it's like this right wing Senator who's making sure that the art is okay for everyone. And then that switches to this like religious stuff of like, don't worry, you're not really gay. You know, it's just, you come find the Lord and then the Jesus stuff. Like, basically, Mr. Show is, like, taking... I mean, maybe it helped that I was a teenager, too. 
but everything in the 90s that I didn't like, you know, like I don't like censorous old government people. I don't like religion. I don't like stupid fucking musicals. I don't like any of this stuff. And Mr. Show is saying fuck you to all that. <laughs> Mr. Show is like making a commentary yeah. on on uh, right-wing America for the most part. Right. It also is very much like a show. Um, very limited sets. It was almost like, yeah, watching like a stage show yeah. and, 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 and a skit on a stage show. Whereas uh, Kids in the Hall is much more um, out there with scenes. They're out in the street. They're in buildings. They're all over the place. One thing, though, that all these shows do that I wonder if Monty Python started this. I mean, I guess maybe that 1948 show did this too, but just the idea of the two sides where there's the live sketches in front of a crowd and then there's the pre-taped stuff. And uh, in Monty Python and Kids in the Hall, it was more back and forth where Mr. Show, it's more integrated, but but they all kind of do that, which is kind of interesting. That is one thing they all have in common is is like the live stuff with the crowd. And it's interesting having a live crowd because uh, as opposed to a laugh track, because you can tell when stuff is not going over. You know, like, I don't think that crowd really liked that Mr. Show that much either, to be honest. They laughed at things that weren't even the joke. You know, they're like, they're trying. They're looking for something to be funny. This reminded me very much of Saturday Night Live skits. Right. Which are live acted. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you see one show, one skit, and then you move into another one. But it, but they're very, very limited in the environment in which they set up stuff. But, uh, and I think, yeah, definitely... If you just had to pick like, which show is funnier, like obviously Kids in the Hall is much funnier. But that's kind of what I was thinking might be interesting about this going through the decades is how have things changed? It hasn't even been that long since Kids in the Hall started, but but this is the direction now of like, let's be a little wryer, trying to be more clever as opposed to just telling jokes, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but Kids in the Hall were able to do the same thing, but without mm. being in your face with the swearing and commenting on the swearing. They just kind of did it. Right. They just, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, it wasn't in your face, which is what I found this one was. It's like, we have to explain to you this stuff. We have to explain to you these jokes. We have to say it's okay to swear now in the 1990s. And whereas Kids of the Hall just did it. Which is, though, that's one thing that's interesting, I find, too, just going through changes. Even if you wanted to make the argument which isn't so hard to make, that the kids in the hall style is better and that works better. But it won't work forever. You know, you can't do that. Although it does keep coming around because I don't know what we're going to see from here on, but have you ever seen the Baroness Fawn sketch shows? No, I they're don't women. Know and he, they're women doing basically what kids in the hall do. Right. Four women. Very short little skits that move from one to another to another, but they don't tie in to each other. They're all like separate little skits done with a whole lot of scenery, background, that kind of stuff, like Kids in the Hall. Um, yeah, it's uh, it would be have been done, well, in the, I don't know, started maybe five, five years ago, six years ago. It's on CBC. So, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, it, maybe it even is, yeah, like what is old is new again, but it still has to go through a cycle to get back to that. So, yeah, I just think that's kind of interesting about going through the decades of, like, whether for better or for worse, you know, things always shift. So anyway, a very distinct shift. No, no question there. So this next one, though, and again, Mr. Show, it's, I guess it's the odd one out as far as these go, because it, it wasn't that popular, necessarily. It's one of these, like, looking back, it was influential. 
And I mean, it's definitely too, if you had to put a label on it, it's not comedy. It's like anti-comedy. Instead of the joke, let's do the other thing that you don't expect. So anyway, that got us through the rocky terrain of the 90s. By the time we get to the 2000s, Chappelle's show, this is way different. Instead of some kind of underground fucking weird comedy shit, Chappelle's show, I think, is arguably the most famous sketch show ever. Because stuff like Monty Python and Kids in the Hall may have had a longer tail and have been more influential as the decades go by. But Chappelle's show was so huge right away at the time. Like, I don't think there's ever been a more famous sketch show as it was on TV. So basically, the story with Chappelle's show is uh, Dave Chappelle was an actor. He was somewhat known, you know, comedian. He got this show on Comedy Network. It ran three seasons for 28 episodes, but not really. It really only ran two seasons, and then the third season was just them trying to cobble together whatever was left to make a few extra episodes. Because what happened is this show got so big and so popular that it was like ruining Dave Chappelle's life. He went from being a sort of famous guy to worldwide super famous. And it was so famous, they offered him $55 million to do another season. And he refused because he's like, I already got a million dollars. How many millions of dollars do you think I need? And he not only did he not do the show, he like disappeared for like 10 years. He just like would show up to do little stand up things here and there. But like just to walk away from not only $55 million, but showbiz. That's how burned out he was after two seasons of this thing. And that they were going to give him that kind of money. Like just ridiculous what a phenomenon this show was. It was crazy. Although what's kind of interesting is then later when he finally did come back in 2017, Netflix uh, gave him this deal for three stand-up specials and they paid him 20 million a piece for those. So it was 15 years later, but he actually made more money doing the stand-up that he wanted to do as opposed to this show. And, and I mean, that's the thing too, is like Chappelle's show is funny, but it's, it kind of, it's so hard to, it's going to seem weird when we watch this because it's just a sketch show. It doesn't, it's not that special. Why was it so famous and worth so much money? And everyone was so mad when he left. <laughs> you know, all the network was like, they couldn't believe it. Like, $55 million and you won't do this show? So I don't know, it's hard to explain because it, it is a good show, but it's certainly not that good, <laughs> you know? But it's arguably the most famous sketch show ever. But I think what stands out the most about it, we're going to watch season two, episode one, The Racial Draft. And I think that's what's most obvious about Chappelle's show is he's a black dude and the comedy was overwhelmingly about race and that's one reason why he also didn't want to do it anymore he was starting to get uncomfortable with with this stuff definitely notable that i wouldn't even say that the era mattered that much that it was the 2000s just america america needed somebody to finally talk about how racially segregated and weird they always have been and they still, still are. are yeah so that's a huge thing with Chappelle's show, and then also, to some extent, Key and Peele that comes after this. But uh, yeah, again, Chappelle's show, it's hard to... I don't even know what to say about it. It's just like, it was such a phenomenon. It's bizarre. <laughs> so I don't know. Let's watch it and see what we can suss out about 2003 in America. <laughs> not a bad theme song. <laughs> not, not as catchy, but still not bad.
Better than Mr. Show. Yeah, so like I was saying, it's uh, it's weird because it's like, yeah, it's a really good show. Dave Chappelle is super funny. It's more, it's like, and I guess when it, the show started, you know, it was just, just a funny comedy show. It's just weird historically to look back at, like that it was so successful and had that whole thing where they offered him all the money in the world, then he left. And it's like, what show can possibly live up to to the place it has in comedy history? But it is a really good show, you know? Clearly, it's not like it doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's like, it's just, yeah, just weird that the circumstances around it have made it so legendary when it's just like, yeah, pretty good show, <laughs> pretty funny. Um, but it, it has a lot of good, it has a good pace. Right. I found Mr. Show slow, draggy. The last skit that he did there was a little bit, a little bit slow and very time sensitive. Uh, like a lot of the people that he named were very big in the like ni- late 1990s, early 20, right. early part of this century. And now you'd say, well, who is that guy? Who was that? Who was that? You, you know, you, if you weren't. Yeah, and it's it's weird, right? How time passes. Like it's that was twenty years ago. Now. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy how long that. Um, but much, um, a much better show. Well, it's weird too. I mean, one thing I guess that's different is these are all half-hour shows, but also that's different. Where Kids in the Hall, back then, a half-hour show was twenty-four minutes. Uh, Mr. Show was actually a half-hour because it was on HBO, so it had no commercials. Where at that point, the Chappelle Show, it was. With the commercials taken out, it's under 22 minutes. So it is literally much shorter because that's just the... Can you believe that's the state we were at 20 years ago with TV? Eight full minutes of commercials. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, what, that's what the show that this hour has 22 minutes? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that's yeah. What, that's what they're talking about. But, uh, but yeah, hey, I mean, for comedy, maybe that's a good thing. Like filling the whole half hour, like with Mr. Show. Yeah, it's uh, Mr. Show, dragged a bit. it was like it was contrived. Whereas this, the, this show and the shows we watched before are, are more, they, they move along more naturally. Right. They don't, they don't, they don't seem like they're striving to get a laugh or striving to I don't know, make a statement. These are just very, very natural. But do it. I mean, they they give a good message. Um, They do what they're supposed to do without... And it seems effortless. I guess that's the difference. Mr. Show seemed like worked hard to get it to happen, but these guys just... Well, I wonder too, I mean, it's, I guess, uh, with just these little uh, examples, like maybe you could read too much into them, but it could be that... I mean, the 90s in general was the Generation X grunge music. Like, it was about being sarcastic and uh, dour and depressed. (laughs) So even if you look at the comedy of it, like, it could be that, yeah, like, in the 80s, Kids in the Hall was funny. In the 90s, Mr. Show was too cool for school, and, you know, it's like we're going to have the comedy of non-comedy. Maybe by this point, yeah, people were tired of that shit. They're like, can we just tell a joke, please? (laughs) And then combined with, I do think it is notable that that Dave Chappelle did touch on a lot of stuff that maybe not only was he unusual but maybe you just couldn't unless you're a black guy you can't just openly talk like he has this one really famous sketch about a uh, a grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan who wrote all these books and stuff who's blind and then the guy unmasks and is a black guy and you find out he doesn't realize because he's blind he never knew he was black, and none of the other Ku Klux Klan members want to tell him because he's such an awesome grand wizard. <laughs> you know, like just some really weird jokes that are just like, could be uncomfortable even if you didn't 
make it funny, <laughs> you know? But anyway, so yeah, that's, that's Chappelle's show. And it cast an extremely long shadow because it was so famous. And, you know, other people tried to step into those shoes and like Comedy Central made so many shows kind of with this same style of like, let's get some, someone to stand on a stage and present stuff. But they just, none of them worked until Key and Peel is our last show of the day. Where, like I was saying, it's just not as famous. And nothing in the 2010s, I feel like, was famous to the degree that really any of these shows were, especially Chappelle's show. But Key and Peele was still pretty famous. So it started in 2012, five seasons, 53 episodes. And these guys also went on to, particularly Jordan Peele, of the two guys, the shorter one, he wrote this movie called Get Out. It was this uh, horror movie where... It was basically these rich white people figure out how to kind of put their souls into other bodies. So they just find some kind of uh, underprivileged black people that won't, you know, it's easier for them to go missing and put their souls into these younger bodies. <laughs> Super creepy and, you know, racially charged and stuff because it's like, you know, like a lot of metaphor stuff going on about the creepiness between the races and stuff. But that movie won... Uh, the best original screenplay at the Academy Awards. Like, it was super famous, but that was after this show. But, uh, yeah, Key and Peele, it's like, uh, I think you'll definitely see similarities to Chappelle's show. Then they try to do the standing on stage bantering, but they're way worse at it. Like, Chappelle is so good at that. That's right. It, that, that Chappelle show could have failed miserably if you didn't have a key player like him. Like, that man has a stage presence. Yeah. And he just stands up there and it flows out of him. If you had a stand-up comic who struggled at all with with that movement from one joke to the next, whatever, it, that that show would have been a complete miss. But, but he's excellent at that. He's just so smooth. So, yeah, I think Key and Peele uh, probably won't quite live up because nothing quite does live up to The Chappelle Show. But to, to bring us up to the present, it's the most recent, the number one comedy show. So Okay. Because you're my wife and you love the theater and uh, it's your birthday. So yeah, it's interesting, right, that if we just again go from these little examples we've been going through, but it does seem like it does seem like it's kind of a cycle, like you were saying with the, uh, uh, what was the show you mentioned with the, the, the women? Oh, Baroness Fun Sketch Show. Right, show. back to more comedy comedy, because Key and Peele feels like that too. It's yeah. like, it's, but it's like picked up things along the way, particularly from Chappelle. Like it's definitely got that, the racial vibe, but it's like, let's, but mostly jokes, <laughs> you know? They're jokes, but... Well, all of these shows, uh, they're, they have jokes, but they're a, a social commentary right. in the jokes. They're not, they're not just like, ha, 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 jokes. Oh, isn't that funny joke? No, they all have a message behind them. Um, that was very, that's a very good show. Yeah, and uh, I was saying how just the, those in-between parts are on stage and how they just aren't as natural as Chappelle. And I think they know that, too, because in the later seasons of this show, they got rid of those parts. <laughs> Instead, it's just the two of them in a car, and they introduce the sketches by just bantering in the car. So, yeah, that one part that was not as good, they 
they, they got rid of. I think, they, again, they just did that because Chappelle, once Chappelle did that, everybody tried to do that. Yeah, the state, the, uh, but it wasn't bad. I mean, they interact well together, the two of them. Yeah, and the sketches are good. All the yeah. sketches were good. Oh, yeah, especially that one where they're, they're dissing their wives. <laughs> and they finally end up in outer space <laughs> calling them up. Yeah. I just said, like, but you said that, though. You, you said bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course I did. Of course I didn't. <laughs> yeah, and it's just neat, too, that uh, I'm not and sure. And there's such wusses, the two of them. As soon as the wives appear on the scenes. I want to have an island just like that. Oh, yes, honey, you'll have it. You'll have it. <laughs> and it is just kind of neat in all these cases, like how the Mr. Show guys went on to stuff, and then uh, Chappelle went on to be such a super paid comedian. And like I said, the I'm not sure what Keegan, Michael Key, got up to after this show, but the Jordan Peele went on to write this horror movie that won an Academy Award. It's like, man, all right, <laughs> nice, you know, talented folk. Well, in that genre of this stuff you should watch the baroness von sketch shows yeah, because uh, it, it it would fit right in this and it would be your later stuff uh like just within the last few years and it's made in canada you can tell when you look at uh, some of the scenery it's definitely toronto nice i'm gonna write that down right now because if i don't i will forget yeah i feel like maybe it's possible that I've heard, it sounds a little bit familiar. It's one of those things like maybe one of my Toronto friends mentioned it, but I never followed up. So yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. And I mean, I guess that's one thing that is wildly underrepresented in all these shows are women. I mean, if there are women, they just have dudes dress up like women. <laughs> so not a ton of that. That was interesting too, though, to how it kind of, uh, you know, it was an ensemble in Monty Python and Kids in the Hall. And then Mr. Show was really just the two guys and Chappelle was just the one guy. <laughs> and then Key and Peele too again. But but yeah, things have kind of moved away from uh, from a group in general. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so that's, uh, again, like I said, um, I think as I start looking into the shows that led to Monty Python, even just the little cursory look... I took, I was like, oh, I think this is going to be a lot more than I expected it to be. So next week, we'll get into that stuff. So this was really just like before that. Let's just uh, take a little breather. <laughs> and this was just, instead of researching and stuff, this was way easier for me to, to do. Just pick an episode of these shows, watch them, whatever. And uh, yeah, that's all. Just, that's sketch. And then, of course, we're only two years into the new millennium, so... Certainly nothing has stood out yet of the 2020s, you know. So we'll reconvene here in 2030 <laughs> and see, see what the best sketch show of the 2020s was. But so far, who knows?